the incomparable Charlie Chan. We proudly present the incomparable Charlie Chan in a new and exciting series. Join the famous detective every week at this same time as he combines the wisdom of the East and the science of the West in a dramatic chapter from The Adventures of Charlie Chan. Charlie Chan humbly bids you good evening and extends warm welcome. It is written, Do not judge man by smile. Do not judge sea by calm. In both cases, deadly shark may lurk just underneath surface. Tonight, we meet two different kinds of sharks who come out of sea. Listen, please. Thank you. Tonight's adventure, The Curious Ride of the Sea Witch. prison walls loom forbiddingly through the fog, settling down on Honolulu. In their towers, their guns at the ready, the uniformed guards are tense and alert, but the very air seems charged with menace. Then suddenly, a siren wails in the night. Giant searchlights sneak out, attempting to penetrate the cotton wool gloom, and in the darkness, voices are heard. There they go. Stand where you are, darling. Let them have it. Daring prison break, carefully and painstakingly planned. After the convicts were herded back into their cells and the checkup was made, two men were missing. Big Lou Gleason and Porky Bates, each serving a life sentence for murder. Attention, please. Be on lookout for two escaped convicts. Description. First man, Big Lou Gleason. White. Forty years old, height six feet two and a half inches, weight two hundred and thirty-eight pounds, florid complexion, sandy hair, gray eyes, has scar from old knife wound on back of right hand. Second man, Porky Bates, white, thirty-seven years old, height five feet seven inches, weight one hundred and eighty-two pounds, shallow complexion, dark hair, brown eyes, broken nose. They escape by boat. Both men are armed. Be on lookout for these men, but exercise great caution. Both are dangerous. Fortune teller? We row until something happens to 
we come across a boat that's big enough to take us away from these rotten islands. And if there's somebody aboard that tries to stop us, I gotta give you the answer to that one. I, all I can say is I picked the wrong character to break out with. <laughs> Don't worry, Lou. I know the answer all right. I'm glad you do. You had me worried. Talking out here in this tub ain't exactly the place to find you picked a dud to break out with. <laughs> I'm telling you, Lou. I know this score. Okay. It's just one thing, boss. How do you know we can pick up a boat? We don't. We just got to take a gamble. Rather long odds we're taking, don't you think? I don't figure it that way. These waters are just screened with rich characters steaming up and down in their luxury yachts. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Okay. Now shut up and keep rowing. This fog holes, we ain't got a thing in the world to worry about. Fog is practically unknown in the Hawaiian Islands, but unaccountably one has swept in from the sea, shrouding the coastline so heavily that all navigation is at a standstill. And the great white yacht Sea Witch is forced to drop anchor in a convenient cove. The yacht's owner, the enormously wealthy Mrs. Hannah Bromfield, seems to regard this as a personal affront. And as a result, she is being more than usually unpleasant to her daughter Bunny as they sit together in the main cabin. Bernice, my dear. Yes, Mother? I've been doing quite a bit of thinking since we started our little voyage. Uh, yes, dear. And, well, to be completely truthful, I'm not entirely happy. Oh. What's wrong, dear? Well, this is actually the first opportunity I've had to really know your uh, fiancé. And, frankly, Bernice, I do not find myself greatly impressed. You mean you don't like Bart? I mean exactly that. But I thought that Oh, you... I grant you that she's pleasant enough and good-looking in a weak sort of way. Intelligent, too, I suppose. But as a husband for you, for the daughter of Hannah Bromfield, no, very definitely not. And, and what's so very special about me? Are you failing to take into consideration the fact that someday you will control a very large fortune? But suppose I told you that I'd rather have Bart now than a fortune then? Are you telling me that, Bernie? Are you defying your mother? No, Mother. Good. Then I suggest we send for Barton now, settle the matter once and for all, and then, when this dreadful fog lifts, we can put back into port and let him go out of your life forever. Oh, no, Mother. Not that way. And why not, pray? Oh, I'll do what you want me to. I always have done what you wanted me to, haven't I? But let me tell Bart that we're... that it's all over. Maybe... maybe that way he won't be so badly hurt. You'll do it at once. Yes, Mother. Yes, I'll go and find him now. A few moments later, a miserably unhappy bunny is seated on the after deck telling her erstwhile fiancé, Barton Henry, that it's all over. He is a studious-looking young man, given an air of distinction by thick horn-rimmed glasses and a trim black moustache. Oh, and so you see, darling... There just isn't anything we can do about it. You mean you're going to take this, this outrage lying down? You're going to let that woman... Um, well, I, I mean, you're, you're going to let your mother wreck your life and mine without lifting a finger to soccer. But you just don't know, Mother Bart. You don't know how strong-willed she is or how, how completely relentless she's capable of being. You don't love me very much, do you, Bunny? Oh, Bart. You're the dearest thing in all the world to me. 
That's easy enough to say. But suppose I asked you to prove it. You know there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. Except stand up to your mother. But, darling, how can I? You haven't even got a job. Well, I have no money except what mother gives me. If, if we went off and got married without a consent, we, we'd be poor, Bart. Don't you think I could make a living for my wife? But, oh, Bart, I'd, I've never been poor. I wouldn't know how to be. Then I suppose we're finished. Oh, if there were only some way out. If there were only something we could... Oh. Oh, who are you? So sorry to have alarmed you. I am Inspector Chan of Honolulu Police. And this is my number one son, Lee Chan. Hi there, people. But, but what are you doing here? I... We didn't even hear you come aboard. Fog at the blanket's ears as well as eyes. So that even great hulk of man like self seems to walk on uh, uh, pussycat feet. Uh, was rowed here from police boat in totally inadequate dinghy by number one son. <laughs> you should have seen Pop on the way over. He was just as comfortable as he would have been in the merry-go-round with sandpaper seats. This is no time for levity, my son. Uh, you are Miss Bromfield, please? Yes. Yes, I am. But, but how did you... A member of crew so informed me when he directed me here. Uh, and you, sir? Uh, this is Barton Henry, Inspector. He... He's my fiancé. Your fiancé, Betty? Then you have not yet informed Barton of my decision? Oh, please, Mother, please. We have visitors. Mm, so I perceive. Who are you, please? Uh, this is uh, Police Inspector Chan, Mother, and his son, Lee. Inspector, this is my mother, Mrs. Hannah Bromfield. Hiya, Mrs. Bromfield. Hmm, hmm. Quite a skiff you got here. Quietly, Chan. This is indeed great privilege, Mrs. Bromfield. And to what are we indebted for the honor of this visit, Inspector? I'm in pursuit of escaped convicts, Mrs. Bromfield. Oh. Uh, did you expect to find your escaped convicts here aboard the Sea Witch? Now, this is merely a routine checkup, Mrs. Bromfield. We police have to do it all the time. Yes, police boat forced to anchor because of impenetrable fog. Yes, we were. Then too. observed your light and was rowed over in small boats which tossed like nervous corks to inquire. If you had seen anything of two men in small boats... Of course we haven't. So I was informed by members of your crew. However, I've advised crew to keep sharp lookout, Mrs. Bromfield, and wish to suggest that you yourself do likewise. These men, extremely dangerous. I'll say they are. They're only big blue policemen, Porky Bates, that's all. Two of the toughest characters that ever broke out of jail. Policemen, Bates? Aren't they the pair that the papers call the Hammer Killers? Yes. Only now they got guns. Doesn't that make everything just ducky? And now, having performed duty, must return to police boat and prepare to resume chase when fog lifts. Before taking departure, should like to warn all of you again. Please be extremely careful. Would you like to have a boat like that Bromfield tub, Pop? I reckon it wouldn't be hard to take, would it? It has been written, my son, uh, that truly happy poor man riding upon humble donkey enjoys journeys far more than discontented rich man mounted upon blooded steed. I took a look into the main cabin while you were talking to Mrs. Bromfield. And what do you know, Pop? The walls were purple. Cabin finished in tulip wood, my son. Same, both rare and costly. I thought maybe she'd had a done to match your face. 
Because every time she looked at that Barton Henry fella, she turned purple too. Also seemed to detect definite tension existing between Mrs. Bromfield and her daughter. You can say that again, Pop. That girl was wound tighter than an eight-day clock. Maybe she and her... Be still, Dejan. What's the matter, Pop? The sun will stay still. Believe I hear the sound of oars. Our story will continue in just a few moments. But meanwhile, your announcer. And now, back to the incomparable Charlie Chan. Rowing back to a police launch, after warning occupants of a luxury yacht the Sea Witch about two escaped convicts, Charlie Chan hears the steady swish of oars cutting through the fog and shrouded waters. Some little distance from Chan's sink. Hey, Lou. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm feeling kind of worn out. Ah. So maybe you'd like to take it a little easy, huh? Oh, I sure would. My arms feel like that. What do I care what your arms feel like? And you know that if we don't grab a boat for a getaway before this fog lifts, they'll have us back behind bars in no time. And the airplane's hunting us. Hey, and... hey, Lou. Look. There's a boat right up ahead. A big one. Now stop, Rowan. I'll drift along quietly. All right, Lou. Yeah. I see her. Well, she's a big one, all right. You could certainly go places in a tub like that. Get your gun ready, Porky. Because that's just what we're going to do. We're going to go places. I feel we've given this matter all the discussion it merits, Barton. My mind is made up and nothing can make me change it. Even if I pointed out the absolute unfairness of your whole attitude, that wouldn't make the slightest difference, would it, Mrs. Bromfield? I? Unfair? Why, I never heard... You constituted yourself judge, jury, prosecuting attorney in the court of last appeal. Do you think that's being particularly fair, Mrs. Bromfield? Just because I happen to know what's best for my own daughter? And that high-sounding phrase has been used by every selfish, domineering mother since the beginning of time. You hear that, Bernice? You hear how I've been maligned? I, your own mother, selfish, domineering, unfair. Please, Mother. I can't stand any more. I imagine you'd wish to say something on my behalf to defend me against this vicious attack. You don't need any defending, Mrs. Bromfield. You wear an armor plating of callous indifference which nothing can penetrate. Stop it, you hear me? Stop it, both of you. If you don't, I'll... Berenice, how dare you speak to I told mother. you I'd broken my engagement to Bart, didn't I? And I told him so, too. What are you trying to do, both of you? Drive me crazy? My dear, anything I've ever done is for your own good. My own good? That's all I've ever heard since I was a child. I'm sick and tired of the hothouse existence I've had to live. Every time I've ever tried to break away, you've succeeded in spoiling what I wanted to do by reminding me of my duty. And as for you, Bart, I thought you'd have had a bit more determination about this. Bunny, darling, I... I don't want to hear any more about it. Not a word. If this keeps up another moment, I... I won't be responsible for what happens. Do you hear? I won't be responsible. I imagine, Mr. Henry, that you're highly gratified with what you've accomplished tonight, aren't you? Coming between parent and child, disrupting a beautiful relationship, 
upsetting my own daughter. I feel just about the same way Bunny does, Mrs. Bromfield. I just don't want to hear any more about it. You'll hear just as much about it as I... Or to borrow another phrase from Bunny, I won't be responsible for what happens. Good night, Mrs. Bromfield. Well, of all... Left alone in the main cabin, Hannah Bromfield stares balefully after Barton Henry as he makes his way forward to his quarters. Then she crosses to a bookcase, selects the volume, seats herself, and begins to read. She's nervous, distraught. She keeps glancing about apprehensively, starting at every sound. She lights a cigarette. And as she does so, a porthole on the starboard side opens silently. Abruptly, she rises, crushes out the cigarette, and as she does... Hannah Bromfield crumples to the floor, where she lies sprawled grotesquely on the rich carpet. Stop those men! Don't let them get away! Stop! Stop! What is it? It's your mother, darling. She's dead, Bunny. No, don't, don't touch her, darling. Just leave everything as it is. I'll go over to the police launch and get Inspector Chaff. Will not be necessary to do so, Mr. Barton Henry. I'm already present and have with me unscrupulous evildoers captured with most welcome assistance of stalwart crew members. But, but what has... Mother's dead, Inspector Chan. My mother is dead. Gosh, I... I'm sorry. Please accept sincere condolence of this humble person, Miss Bromfield. Deeply grieved that fog caused us to come too late to prevent Mr. Lou Gleason and Mr. Porky Bates from adding another murder to their unsavory record. Hey. Hey, hey, wait a minute. We had nothing to do with it. Oh, yes, you did. How do you know that, please, Mr. Henry? Because I saw them. Looks like that throws it up then, Pop. Would appear Mr. Lou Gleason and Mr. Porky Bates have rashly exchanged life imprisonment for death sentence. You heard what Porky said, Chan. We didn't kill her. You are in the same unfortunate position, I think, as Leopard in old Chinese story, who spent many weary days attempting to convince his listeners he had no spot. I don't say we wouldn't have, Chen. We'd have shot anyone who got in our way. But I'm telling you again, we didn't do it. And I'm telling you again, Inspector, that they did. I saw it with my own eyes. Well, this doesn't seem to be getting us anywhere. Pop, what I'd like to suggest Quiet, is that please. We... we wish to examine body of deceased Mrs. Bromfield. Wow. She was... She was shot through the throat, eh, Pop? Bullet entered front of throat and emerged from back of neck. Death's probably instantaneous. Now, Mr. Henry, kindly tell a story of tragedy exactly as it occurred. Uh, Mrs. Bromfield and Bunny and I have been talking, Inspector. You mean we've been quarreling, Bart? Quarrel had begun earlier this evening, I think, just prior to my first visit to Seawitch. That's right, Inspector Chen. Cause of quarrel, please. Bunny and I had announced our engagement two weeks ago. Today, for some reason, Mrs. Bromfield decided that she didn't want me for a son-in-law, and that was that. I tried to... to make Mother change her mind, Inspector. But she was adamant. And so, well, uh, I accepted it, Inspector Chan. There just wasn't anything else I could do. It has been said that when Jig is up, there is no need to tie feet with additional dancing. Continue, please. After you left, it started all over again. I did my darndest, but I might as well have been talking to a stone wall. And then I got a little hysterical. I told them both to stop before I went crazy. And 
Then I went forward to my cabin. Leaving Mrs. Bromfield and Mr. Barton Henry still arguing? Only for a moment, Inspector. I, well, I said a couple of pretty rotten things after that. And then I went to my cabin. But you did not remain there? No, Inspector. After I cooled off a bit, I, I felt a little ashamed. After all, Mrs. Bromfield is the, was the mother of the girl I love. So I came back here to apologize. At which time killing took place? Mrs. Bromfield had been reading and smoking. She got up, put out the cigarette, and just then that porthole opened. I started to yell, but before I could make a sound, there was a shot and she fell dead. Then I did yell, and, well, the rest you know. All but one most important point, Mr. Henry. Have two prisoners here, but have no way of determining which one fired shot. I can tell you that, too. It was Gleason. Why, you rat. You rotten rat. If I didn't have these cuffs on... You're I'd... absolutely certain about identifying Gleason, Mr. Henry? You'd better be sure. It's got a stick in a court of law. I can make it stick, all right. I saw the scar on his hand as he held the gun. I imagine that clinches it, doesn't it, Inspector? It should indeed uh, uh, clinch it, Mr. Henry. Uh, there remains but one slight detail to be attended to. Looking at the tulip wood paneling, eh, Pop? Examining same with utmost interest, Lee Chan. And uh, having done so, I'm now prepared to depart with prisoners. I'll be glad to see them go. Um, do not think you will be so glad, Mr. Barton Henry. Because when they go, you go too. You mean Bart has to appear against these men at once? No, Miss Bromfield. I'm arresting Mr. Barton Henry for murder of Mrs. Hannah Bromfield. Oh, no, you're not. Watch him. This is for you, Henry. <clears throat> nice work, Gleason. We've got him, Pop. Excellent. Sergeant Andrews. Yes, Inspector. Uh, remove prisoners, please. We'll join you shortly. All right, you fellows. Come on. Won't you tell me what all this is about, Inspector? It's... Oh, it's just as though I were walking through some sort of a bad dream. Would like to spare you unhappy details, Miss Bromfield. I'm all right now. And I want to hear. How did you know that Bart was the one who... That Bart was the guilty one? First suspected it when he spoke of seeing Scar on back of Mr. Lou Gleason's hand as he held gun. Remembered, it was brought out at murder trial that Mr. Gleason left-handed. Therefore, it would have been impossible for Mr. Barton Henry, from where he stood, to see back of Mr. Gleason's left hand. Well, if that doesn't top everything. Also, uh, forgive me, please. Bullet which killed Mrs. Bromfield pierced through throat. If it had been fired from porthole on that side, it would have embedded itself in woodwork on opposite side. But it wasn't there. Careful examination failed to disclose any trace of same. So what really happened is that Henry came back here with a gun and took a shot of Mrs. Bromfield from up far there. And Bullet, after completing deadly mission, passed through open companionway, which is directly behind her. Now, why couldn't I have worked that one out? Is there anything further which you wish me to tell you, Miss Bromfield? Perhaps you can tell me how to face the future, Mr. Chan. I've lost my mother, the man I loved, both in one night. And now... While grief is new and fresh, any words of this inferior person of small avail. And yet, 
it has been written that from our sorrows it is possible to build stairway upon which each brighter tomorrow may ascend. Come, Lee Chan, this case is ended. Before saying goodnight, Charlie Chan would like to leave you a few words of ancient philosopher. Do not judge man by words alone. Sometimes, smallest bird sings with loudest voice. Good night. Thank you. Be sure to join us next week at this same time for The Adventures of Charlie Chan, based on the character created by Earl Derbiggers. <laughs>